Amen. She is so contagious. Gotta love that girl. Love it. Hey, so welcome, well, family of a couple people in the room with us right now. We got the faithful worship team and our elders, some of our staff here. And, um, but mostly we have all you guys watching via live stream. We're so grateful to have this connection. And like we've been sharing all morning, to think the airwaves are being taken over for Jesus um, this morning with so many churches from across the U.S. web streaming. So Jesus is worthy. He is worthy of the mountain of media being 100% for him. So uh, delighted to have you guys with us. Bruce and I are going to do a little bit of tag teaming this morning as we, we, can't, we better do the elbow bump since I've been coughing. And um, so anyway, yeah, so let's just pray and ask the Lord just to guide us. Bruce and I really, as our leadership team's been meeting and praying, we just want to help navigate through this stormy season and um, just help give some direction and hopefully comfort and guidance and just the word of the Lord. So Jesus, thank you that you're never taken by surprise. Thank you for your presence right here with us. Thank you for peace that is coming on every home of those connected with the well, watching our live stream, our friends watching from really across the nation today to see what you are doing. So Lord, we just ask that you would be with us and strengthen your body across this nation today in your name. Amen and amen. So Bruce, we are actually still in the middle of our Awakening the Priesthood series. We go to the end of the month, so we've got a couple more weeks left. And I feel like today, this, it's a perfect message that fits right into, the, into what's happening. And of course, we want to talk about what's happening with the coronavirus uh, plague that's here in our nation and how the church is responding, how our, our government is responding, and um, just kind of help, help us as we wade through this. But I just want to actually do a little bit of a Bible study. Is that okay? Saints to go into the Word, spend some time in the Word this morning. And I tell you, as I've been uh, not feeling great and just I've spent the, really the last 11, 12 days mainly in bed and uh, what it has done, it's forced me in a very good way to spend a lot of time with Jesus uh, and to hear the still small voice, a lot of amazing time in the word. And um, I tell you, I've just been getting, having some powerful, powerful times with the Lord. I'm actually grateful for that. And I just want to encourage you guys, as we are being forced into some seclusion, I think it's time for us to draw away and be with Jesus and get to know him better as our dearest and closest friends. But Bruce, one of the phrases that came to me as I've been praying for the well in our body and for us helping navigate people through a honestly fearful season, I heard this phrase, be those who stand between the living and the dead. And I remembered immediately where that was. It's a story from Numbers chapter 16. I just want us to go there in the word this morning. So you're at home, grab your phones, grab your Bibles, and we're going to look at Numbers chapter 16 and talk about the incredible privilege that we have right now as believers to be proactive and be those who actually stand between the living and the dead and stand for life. And so I'm just going to read it here. Now, the context is pretty intense, and I just want to say this is worst case scenario. This is not what's happening in our nation. 
Right now, this is not what's happening as a church body. I don't believe we're in full-blown rebellion and God has sent a plague. I think sickness and disease is not of God. I think God doesn't waste anything and he uses everything to awaken the church to grow in love with him. But um, so this is the, the context is worst case scenario because it's full-blown rebellion of the people of God and God is not happy. Moses is not happy. And so this is, this is where we're at. But these are the main verses I want to focus on, verse 46 through 50 of number 16. So this catastrophe has happened, uh, and this plague has broken out. Moses said to Aaron, verse 46, take your censer, place fire from the altar in it, and add the incense. Go quickly into the congregation and make atonement for them because wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Verse 47, so Aaron took the censer as Moses had ordered and he ran into the midst of the assembly and seeing that the plague had begun among the people, he offered incense and made atonement for the people. Look at this, verse 48 is so powerful says he stood between the living and the dead, and the plague was halted. But those who died from the plague numbered 14,700, in addition to those who died on account of Korah. That's Korah's rebellion. Verse 50, then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting since the plague had been halted. So, guys, I love this uh, story in one way, but in the another way, it puts like the incredible dread, awesome fear of the Lord in me. But it's such a sensory uh, picture to see uh, this outbreak after Korah had rebelled. Those guys were destroyed. The people still grumbled. And this plague, this plague breaks out. Sickness, disease, pestilence breaks out in the midst of the community and it's like Moses and Aaron as leaders know what to do immediately. I want to tell you, this is not rocket science to figure out what to do when there's a plague in our nation. Leaders don't have to sit and have closed doors meetings for hours and figure out what our strategy is. There's always been one strategy. It's repentance. It's inquiring of the Lord. And it's incense. And so Moses immediately gives instruction to the priesthood. So we're still in this Awakening the Priesthood series. Now, we know we're all the priesthood of the believers. Tag, you're it. If you have Jesus, you're part of that priesthood of all believers today. So this message is to you. The leadership is speaking to believers and saying, this is what you do in the midst of this time of tumult. Grab the censer, put fire from the altar in it, and add incense. Now, we don't have to guess what this stands for or what it means. We know in Revelation 5, verse 8, Bruce, that it talks about the harp and the bowl. And it says, the bowl full of incense are the prayers of the saints. It's this picture of worship and prayer. So this fire and this incense, it's a picture of worship and praise. What we just did for the last hour was part of our strategy. It was part of our solution. What we're going to do tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. in that little prayer room is part of God's solution to stop this pestilence in its track. So our instruction is still the same. Take this incense. I just see uh, 
Aaron obeying. He runs out, he grabs it, and he's waving this thing. I just, I just in the past few days, even though I've had not much strength, I've been seeing myself in the spirit between the coronavirus and the well, or the coronavirus and this region, or coronavirus and America. I've been standing like as a corporate Aaron, waving this thing, standing between the living and the dead, and commanding that thing it shall not pass. So instead of us, and I, I believe we should be acting in the utmost wisdom, I think we should honor those in our authority. Timothy, Paul makes it clear, speaking to Timothy, we honor those in authority. And so uh, we're not bowing, caving into the pressure of man. We're obeying scripture, even by us doing this live streaming today and meeting in smaller gatherings. God's not afraid of smaller gatherings, by the way. He's not afraid of live streaming. He's not afraid of blowing up our American boxes and doing things outside of our box. And so, but the answer is so clear. Go back to prayer and worship and just stand and declare life. And I love, oh guys, worship team, thank you. It was, my heart was so encouraged, even with your song choices and the the purity of your posture to just, you were that priestly people standing between the plague and, and the living and the dead and just speaking life. That just, I just hear the Lord saying more. Just do more of that. That is our solution. If you guys want to know from the well how we feel like we need to move forward through this, I just say the word more. Just do more prayer and worship. I mean, stand and speak life. Declare the word of the Lord. We're going to get into that a little bit more. But Bruce, anything from this passage stand out to you? I think I'm just struck by the fact that um, the condition that they were in at the time, the, the, the plague breaking out, really, actually, it's, it's funny. You and I were, were both drawn to numbers. I've been doing a read-through of the Scripture. And, and for whatever reason, the Lord had me in numbers as well. And I was actually a couple of chapters earlier in Numbers 11 where God had just laid out the whole idea of what a privilege it is to carry the, the tabernacle. And, and he had an order for it and a process for it. And, and right at that point was when the grumbling and complaining started. After they'd just been handed the baton and given the ability to go out and to serve and to, to worship God in a fantastic way, the little murmuring began. And it kind of laid the seed for where this ultimately ended up at. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was, as I was looking at this passage in, in, in Numbers 11, uh, the people began to complain about their hardship. And I got to thinking, you know, that's an easy thing to do when you're facing crisis, isn't it? It's, it's like, you're, why are we having to go through this, Lord? And, and not that we have a complaining spirit yet, but I, I can totally see it getting there. And, and this is really what laid the foundation for what Aaron had to stand between, and, and Korah's rebellion was all about that whole idea that who are you to say you're, you're in charge, and, you know, there was just this, this murmuring, and I think the enemy is really cultivating a spirit already unleashing on the planet, but uh, the Lord is cautioning us, and he's saying, you know, you know don't, don't go there. Um, this also got down to the fact where I was, um, I was reading this part where in, in the midst of this grumbling, initially, they were gri griping about the food, right? This is where the Lord had provided the manna, and, and they're like, I'm sick of this manna stuff, man. I'm sick of this, you know. It's like, I'm sick of having to go to the grocery store and not find anything to eat. And, uh, and so it was kind of funny. Julie and I were getting back from the airport. Um, it was uh, early Saturday morning. We, we were shopping at 1 a.m. Uh, to see what we could find. And we walked into 
three different stores, and it was ironic. There was no meat. And I thought, this morning as I was reading this passage, I was like, yeah, here we are, same deal. <laughs> Where's the meat, Lord? Where's the meat? Um, and, uh, but it just, it, it really is amazing how we can get into that, that mindset. And I think um, some things that I gleaned out of this, uh, because Moses got frustrated as a leader. He was like, I can't handle all these people yakking and ragging all the time. And, and he said, it's too much for me to handle on my own. And the Lord said, you shouldn't be handling this on your own. He says, I want you to go out and appoint some elders and some leaders and things like that to, to come alongside you. And, and guys, I think this is a word to us. That, you know, as we face this situation, this is not something that, you know, the leadership at the well or the leadership wherever you're fellowshipping, man, they got to figure this out. They better do something. I think the Lord is saying, no, it's time for you to rise up. Tag, Tag we're it. You're it, right, exactly, yeah. So I think that's a word to us, that we just need to realize that, man, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for the body to be the body and to not play spectator sport. We've talked about this for, for well over a year at the well, that this is not spectator sport. This is all play. And so I think that this feeds into that a lot. Yeah, one of the things I love here, too, going, in, going back to number 16, is that when push comes to shove, uh, Moses doesn't get into the blame game. I think we have to be careful about pointing the finger and getting into blame games and not politicizing this catastrophe right now. I think that is just an exhortation that I'm going to give you as a leader. And Moses immediately just goes to action. He doesn't stop and think, man, those guys really hacked me off. They deserve it. So I'm going to take five minutes and just watch this happened. He, his immediate response was compassion. And I just want to ask is, is our immediate response to what's happening? You know, Italy seems, we prayed for Italy this morning. It seems like such a faraway place, but my immediate response and default is compassion for that nation. Is our immediate response compassion, even when it seems far away or not touching us? And even as we see it coming, you know, into our our, uh, our own area. And so Moses doesn't blink an eye. He says he calls uh, the leadership to action. And the action he calls them to is prayer and worship. And so again, it's not rocket science to, uh, to let our incense arise before the Lord. I just want to say your voice is so powerful. Your decree, your declaration. We're seeing our whole well family post Psalm 91. We've actually been in it for Months and months and months. In fact, Sally and I were talking about uh, talking about this last night. We're so grateful um, for how the Lord has prepared the well for March 2020. So many of you guys know, uh, November 8th, uh, Friday evening, I had a visitation from the Lord in Dallas. Two in the morning, the very first thing, the Lord woke me up with the th like the thunderous voice of the Lord, internal, audible. And he said, trouble is coming. Trouble is coming, and you're not prepared. Get prepared for it. Now, I had no idea in the no beginning of November what he meant by trouble. I thought it was some... Uh, I thought it meant growing pains. I'm seeing, oh, man, we, we really see in part, hear in part, like it's nothing. But he, he really gave us a heads up. And, guys, I just want to commend our family. I want to commend the well because there was such an immediate response of preparation. Sally was going through all the things. I'm like, that is so encouraging 
that there was a yes to the word of the Lord. And because the Lord said in that visitation, the number one thing you can do is here, number 16, build an ark, build a place of safety, which is the place of prayer and worship. It's Psalm 27. I'll hide you high above the the storm that's coming. And so this body prepared, and I'm wondering, uh, we'll know in the next stage when the books, we get us, one day we're gonna sit in the library of heaven and read his accounts of all the things we, that feel so weak to us. But one day we may read a chapter about what the well's response uh, helped secure in, for our family here in this region just by doing prayer and worship. I mean, it just seems like such a weak response, but over and over, it's God's strategy. I've shared this many times before in David's tabernacle for 33 years that they were doing prayer and worship uh, in, a, in a way that was Godward and focused on saying, saying and declaring, singing, declaring what was true about God. It, it brought safety. It was their homeland security solution. I wonder how much safety is being brought by the body responding through the giving of incense. No, it's interesting hour. because I was even thinking about back in Numbers 11 where Moses didn't necessarily learn his lesson back then. And that was not his first response when he was encountering this difficulty with the people because he was like, how am I supposed to feed these people? This is like 600,000 guys alone, Lord. How am I supposed to do this? And I love God's response. The Lord said, has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. And it's just like, that was, that was it. And then it was so cool because then it goes on that these elders that he assembled, he said, I'm going to give a portion of my spirit to these elders, right? And, and so they got just a little piece of Moses' spirit. They began to prophesy. Interesting note here, but it never happened again. And I got to thinking about that. That, that, that had, was very interesting in that today we have the spirit of God resting on us. And it's not in partial measure, and it's not like it's going to quit. It's like we are empowered with the Holy Spirit. We have that spirit of Moses that, that resided in him, resides in us. And what I loved about this, too, is um, two men, Eldad and Medad, stayed behind in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they hadn't gone out to the tabernacle, yet the spirit they rested on them. They didn't get the them. email, apparently, or the text well, to I, show up at what it, time? It struck me like, okay, they can't be at the tabernacle, which in my, in my frame, I'm thinking this is kind of like dwell over here, right? This is where God's got a, a tabernacle thing going on. But there were people who weren't at the tabernacle. Exactly. They were in their homes. Yes. Right? It doesn't matter. I mean, right. we are we are the Same house spirit. of prayer. We are the body. We are the church. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool. I love that. Yeah. So, guys, I want to look also out of Mark 4. Now, we had an interesting encounter about this this morning because Bruce is going to talk about a three-day global fast that Lou Engle is calling our, our, the whole body of Christ to. And uh, I hadn't seen that or read the uh, read Lou's account of it, but he uses this, this. I also woke up this morning with Mark 4, 38 through 41. You guys know the story very well. It's where... Uh, Jesus and the disciples are on the boat crossing over, getting to their next destination. In the middle of that journey, a storm hits in the middle of the night. We are in this place right now. A storm has hit our nation, and um, a great storm has, um, has overtaken the boat. So boat, this transportation ministries, our families, this uh, wind and wave is blowing, and it was actually, it was really a life-threatening situation. So uh, we're in a little bit of a precarious situation because some people are mad 
if we call off church. Some people are mad if we don't call off church. And that is just part of taking the hit of being a leader. And it's real. And we're okay taking some of those, taking some of those hits. But I want to tell you, do not minimize what's happening right now with this global pandemic. Absolutely, the media is hyping and spinning and uh, giving their own narrative of it. But if you listen to wise, godly doctors and nurses, those in the medical community globally, you will start to understand a little bit more. So I wanna encourage you, step out of your own biases about what's happening and um, really kind of do, do the math, do the research. And I wanna tell you, this is a life-threatening situation. We don't understand beginning from end. We don't understand everything that's happening, but pride would cause us to fall in one of the ditches on both sides, to either totally ignore it um, or fall into such fear that we're paralyzed. Both are ditches on this very narrow road. God is our highway before us, and his word, his truth is what we're standing on. But just like the, the disciples weren't making it up that they were in a life-threatening situation, uh, they could have died. The boat could have drowned. It could have capsized. It was real. Uh, it's interesting when your leader, who is God, is sleeping <laughs> in the midst of all that. Think about it. God is in the midst of all that, and he is at total peace doing what you do at night. You sleep. And it's funny, Bruce, because the accusation that comes out of Jesus doing what is normal in his leadership to sleep at night because they're crossing over, going to their next ministry conference, is their accusation is, don't you care? And, well, family, I just want you to tune in for a moment and really listen. It is, I just want to say it's normal to have a, a response of fear and to ask questions like this. Jesus isn't chastising them for the questions, but he's going after what's underneath the veneer of their hearts. And so they respond, don't you care for us, master? We're gonna die here. And Jesus, I think he grabs his cup of coffee. He gets up off his bed. He goes to the, you know, to the helm of the boat and he speaks, peace be still in the wind and the waves calm down. And guys, listen, the very first thing out of the mouth of Jesus right after this incredible, uh, stunning miracle is he looks at his boys, he looks at his leadership team and asks them a question. I think Jesus is stopping us dead in our tracks, the body, believers, in, especially in the West right now, and asking us this question, why are you so afraid? I believe Jesus can author storms, whether he authors it or just allows it. Ultimately, he is God and there is no other. He can author and allow storms in order for us to get right to the question that really matters. Fear hinders love. Fear keeps love out. Fear is the greatest enemy of the church in times of tumult. I've shared this story before, Bruce. I love it. But when I've been talking about the Moravians lately, the Moravian revival. Um, so uh, 
John Wesley, one of my favorite revivalists, he tells the story about really how he came to the Lord. Do you know he was a revivalist before he got saved? He was actually, before he had a born-again relationship with Jesus, he was going around telling, being a good religious person, and with no power, though, no one responding, and he had not had a real deal encounter with the Lord. Part of the way the Lord apprehended him that launched him into helping lead the Great Awakening was he was um, on a ship headed overseas, and a storm hits, and, um, and it was life-threatening. It was like Mark chapter 4, storm hits uh, this big ship. And everyone is panicking. They're throwing things over. Uh, people are screaming. They're fearing for their lives. And Wesley is there, and he sees this group of people uh, off you know, to the side. And it's a group of believers. They were Moravian missionaries, and they were all together And he says, I've never seen anything like it. It's like the glory of God was shining down on them. Everyone else was screaming and uh, running in fear and desperate. And they were all sitting down singing hymns and praying to God. And it's like the peace of God was on this community. And it said even the babies were sound asleep in the arms of their mamas. Even the little toddlers were just resting quietly. And he looked at them, and they had smiles on their faces. And it's like they shone, and they were looking up into heaven. And Wesley said, whatever they have, I don't have, and I want that. And I'm just thinking, guys, what an opportunity for the church in this hour. Why would Jesus allow this to have the church church really get at the very thing hindering Uh, hindering us from letting the world see what it's really like to be in the boat with Jesus when he's leading. And so he's going after this question, why are you so afraid? And to pull back all of our things that we're clinging to, um, to, uh, to keep us from perfect love. And I love it how it ends up here. It says a different kind of fear ended up filling them as soon as they saw the wind and wave obeying holy fear we need we need jesus to confront that surface veneer fear under our hearts so that a holy fear comes upon us thoughts bruce well i think this is where uh lou engel's word really comes into into this and kudos to Susie abshire bless you Susie, for sending that email to me this week and uh i it's going to take just a few minutes but i want to read this to you because i think this is something that the body needs to hear because uh, it totally It's unbelievable the tie-in here. So Lou Wright says, he says, a plague has broken out over all the earth called the coronavirus, threatening to kill tens of thousands across the world. It's shutting down global economies. Terror and panic have seized the nations. Something is going on here that is beyond the virus itself. It seems like a demonic force is fueling the rapid spread of the virus and the hysteria surrounding it. Even so, we understand that God sits enthroned above the floods, above the storm, man. He's often at work, even amidst the plans of the evil one, to carry forth his own purposes. People can't go to arenas and stadiums. Entertainment shutting down. Some areas, children are home from school, parents from work. Could God be using these circumstances to break our idols? Wow. Draw families together and woo us back to himself in bridal love. So good. At the time, we believe that 2020 has been marked by the Holy Spirit as a year of stadium Christianity. 
an explosive advance of the kingdom. In America alone, approximately 20 stadiums are being prepared for prayer and evangelistic breakthroughs. The Send has been scheduled to be held in Argentina April 25th. However, just yesterday, Argentina banned all large gatherings in an effort to slow the spread of the virus. It's our conviction that the storm of this pandemic has been stirred up by a high-level demonic principality to hinder the surge of the church's mighty assault of fasting, prayer, sending, and missions on the global gates of Hades. It should be noted, this virus has also been rising in the earth at the very time Israel stands on the threshold of fulfilling biblical prophecy. Ezekiel 36, the prophet declares... Israel will once again possess the mountains of Judea and Samaria as part of the Lord's ultimate plan to return the Jewish people to himself. Since the end of January, President Trump and Prime Minister Netanyahu have been working together toward the annexation of significant portions of Judea and Samaria. Yet, both of their re-elections hang in the balance as the storm of this pandemic rages on with complicated economic and political repercussions that could threaten their seats. We feel this scenario is not unlike that which Jesus and his disciples faced when they were crossing the Sea of Galilee to deliver the Gerasene demonic in Mark 4. Okay, so this is the whole, he recounts essentially the whole story that, that Marvin just talked about, and Marvin didn't read this whole deal, saying the same things. So bottom line, he says, in response to the present crisis, we are calling an urgent three day global fast just like Esther did among her people when the wicked Prince Haman released a genocidal plot, a political plague, to destroy the Jews. And so he recounts this passage. Mordecai told them to Esther, do you not think that your heart, in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews? For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So faced with a life and death situation, standing between life and death, right? Esther said, you go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Lou goes on to say, brothers and sisters, We too are faced with a life and death situation with this coronavirus. A casual approach to this worldwide crisis, the prophetic call to fasting could multiply needless casualties. So let's not give way to passivity and unbelief like the disciples did in the boat, leaving room for the enemy to wreak havoc. God's looking to his people to take the place of spiritual authority that he has given us in Christ that we might rule with him through prayer. Who could have guessed the timing of the 40-day global Jesus fast would be synchronized with the timing of this virus? We believe God saw it coming. He raised up a fasting prayer movement to stand against it. And since the beginning of March, a handful have been held up, holed up in a house, fasting water and, on water and seeking God. We inquired of the Lord if we were to call a special three-day global Esther fast to rebuke it. We didn't want it to just be a good idea. We wanted to know if it was from God himself. That very morning, a great evangelist from Europe, Jean-Luc Trachel, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but that sounded nice. Uh, Jean-Luc texted me and said, Lou, don't miss the moment. Call a fast across the world. Shatter this coronavirus. Yes. 
I felt it was the word of the Lord. And almost immediately, I sat down with my team, began to prepare to write up a call to action. And then, just before taking up the pen, I received another text from Andy Bird, leader of The Send, saying, Lou, would you call a three-day fast within the midst of this 40-day fast? Call the church to stand against this coronavirus. It is a threatening the global advance of evangelism and is determined to stop stadium Christianity and the sending movement. The send, Kansas City, must not be stopped. Other great gatherings must not be stopped. At that moment, with two or three witnesses, I knew it was the word of the Lord. So, therefore, we're calling the global church to unite together in a three-day Esther fast starting this coming Wednesday, March 18th, through Friday, March 20th. Let's humble ourselves, turn from our sins, reconsecrate ourselves to God. Let us also confess the sins of our nation and cry out to him for mercy. On the third day, as when Esther went before the king, we urge you to join together in twos and threes, which will be great in our little clusters, yes, if possible, and stand as the ecclesia, ecclesia before the king of glory. Together in the victory Christ has already won on the cross, we will speak to this coronavirus saying, be thou removed. Yes. As we do, let's believe together that this pandemic will abate, stadiums will be filled, elections shifted, 2020 will go down in history, not as a year where nations collapsed, but as a year of historic advance yes. of evangelism and missions yes. worldwide. Yes. So some will go three days with no food, no water, desperate times demand desperate measures. Others will fast on water or other liquids. We're urging everyone to fast in some measure. For those who are already on the 40-day fast, consider intensifying your fast and joining in this specific focus for these three days. Who knows? For such a time as this, we've been brought into the kingdom. I read that, and I thought, this is a word for us. And, and well, family, I want to throw down the gauntlet and say, this is something we need to do this next Wednesday through Friday. And just say, yes, we're going to go for this. We're going to join in with the global church and say it's time. And we're going to draw a line in the sand and say, this goes no further. So we, we're, we're excited about that. And uh, man, I just have to laugh how the Holy Spirit orchestrated this deal. Divine setup. So 100% yes, we want to call all of us in some way for those three days, Wednesday through Friday, uh, to join with our brothers and sisters around the globe uh, to be a part of that. So I just want to get practical for a minute. And so... You know, we're giving spiritual instruction to continue what we're doing with Dwell, all these different things, but just some other things. What can we do? People are asking. I'm getting uh, my phone's blown up with text, just asking even our family if there's stuff we need. And just I've been blessed by the outpouring of love and support. And so how can we be a blessing to others this season? So our leadership team's been talking and just coming up with, this is not a comprehensive list by any means, but it's just some, some things we feel like the Lord's brought before us. But I want to encourage all of us, take communion every single day and let that be your real food and your real drink and uh, commune with the Lord. I want to encourage you. I felt like the Lord told me to go uh, grab oil at my house and anoint the doorpost of our house, our main entrance and uh, just see it as putting the blood over the doorpost of our house and saying no unclean thing may enter here. I encourage all of you guys to do that. Pray and decree Psalm 91. You want to read through some of these, Bruce? Sure. Uh, 
Yes, Lord, we want to just agree right now with, uh, with this idea to go to Psalm 91. <coughs> and I pray, Father, that you would release the authority that you have put into this passage, that we would live in the shelter of the Most High, that we would find rest in the shadow of the Almighty, declaring that you alone are our refuge, Lord. You're the place of safety, that you are God and that we trust you. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to rescue us from every trap. Protect us from the deadly disease. Thank you, Lord, that you, you saw this when the psalmist wrote this. God, you're going to cover us with your feathers. You shelter us with your wings. Your faithful promises are our armor and protection. We won't be afraid of the terrors of the night or the arrow that flies in the day. We aren't going to dread the disease that stalks in the darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 are dying around you, but these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes. See how the wicked are punished. Because if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your tent. He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up in their hands. You won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You'll trample lions and cobras. You'll crush fierce lions and serpents. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. And I will reward them with a long life, giving them my salvation. So, Lord, we just decree these things over our well family, over the global church family. Lord, we know that your protection is far-reaching. And we know that in some cases, Lord, you allow these things to happen, and we don't fully understand all of that, but God, we know your promises are true. You are the yes and amen, the faithful one, the beginning and the end. And so, Lord, we just, we cling to your word, we cling to your promises, and we trust you. Help us, Lord, to exercise faith. Help us in our unbelief <laughs> when we're weak, God, and we just we don't see things happening the way we want them to happen. God, you are not asleep at the wheel. You are seated on your throne, high and lifted up. And so, God, we thank you for Psalm 91. And we rejoice in your word, which is the belt of truth. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is what we cling to and trust in. Amen. So good. Also, guys, just practically thinking about those in our midst who have, um, so I, I know our schools are out for almost a month, and so for those who have school-aged kids, um, just parents may need extra help. So what are some practical things we could do uh, to help in those situations for kids who are not in school or daycare? Uh, I love Chris and came like helping kids with homework, just things that are very real and practical and would be a blessing making sure neighbors elderly are okay and have basic needs but i'm so i want you guys to well family to really be thinking who in our midst may need um may need uh help with some basic groceries and supplies that they're not able uh, they're they would be compromised if they were to go out into those crowds and so uh i know i have three or four people i'm been thinking about the whole last week and about i i want to figure out what i can do to go drop off stuff for them. And so just be thinking in terms of that. 
I would say this too, if you need contact information for people, you don't, I mean, you think of people, but you don't know how to reach them, uh, go ahead and contact us here at the church. Yes. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure which one would be the best person on that. Do you? Uh, my default answer for everything is Tom Molina. Well, that's so true. He doesn't always like that. But yeah. just, you can, you can contact <laughs> one of the, you know, per, you can contact, yeah, one of the emails. Or just, you know, let's start texting each other. I mean, if you, people that you know numbers for start reaching out, man, let's just make this a viral thing that goes around. But yeah, it's a great way to get to know each other. I'm just thinking about our Nikki, who, who, because of her lung issues, she is working from home for the next few weeks, can't be, really can't be, shouldn't be around anyone. And so what can, I, like, we don't want her going to the grocery stores even. So what can we do to go drop off stuff at her front door? So I'm thinking getting really practical like that. And so, yeah, if you need contact info, um, get us. Stay home if you're sick. Like, really, I just want to, as two papas up here, if you're not doing well, let someone know. And don't be superheroes. Stay home. And, um, and then I love this. Guys, share the good news. I tell you, the good news makes most sense in the context of bad news. Are you hearing me? Good news is, mo is the most good in the midst of bad news. And so uh, there's a lot of bad news going around. I just think people are waiting to hear some good things that are happening. You see it all over Facebook, like, please stop talking about this and tell me something. Share testimonies of his goodness. Brag on Jesus. Help be those who turn the trajectory uh, from fear to faith, and uh, just encourage people in that. And I think that's interesting because when Paul talks about the spiritual armor, right, we're in the middle of a battle. Uh, one of the essential parts of the armor is the, 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 the shoes of the gospel, right? And so I think that that's part of God's plan. It's part of the offensive. So, yeah. And it's if part of the, the enemy's plan is to get us to not share and to isolate. Take our shoes so, off. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, one thing, just again, practically, uh, we have, I don't know, 15 more days, I think, Jen, Matt, left of dwell for this, this uh, rhythm. And I just felt like the Lord said, pull out all the stops and um, really encourage people to come and get, because it's a small, you know, it's, those are not big gatherings. It's small, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 people together, but come together, those who are able to, let's let that be part of our church rhythm, and I feel like he said, go high praise for the next 15 days. I don't want to do hardcore intercession. Uh, I'll let each team decide, but I just, I, I honestly feel directive-wise, like we're not to go hardcore storming the gates of hell, but we are to hardcore crown him with many crowns and enthrone him and get, I mean, go high praise. We did that Friday morning. It was so glorious. We went high praise, and the Lord met us in the midst of that. And that does more to, if truly Lou is right, that this is a de demonic principality on a global scale, we have no business taking on those things. The way those things get dislodged is not by angry Christians on the line and pounding our fists. We get beat up doing that. The way those things get dislodged is through prayer and worship. So if we sing and say what's true about God, it weakens the hold of that demonic thing. So we're doing our part in that. Watchman Nee is famous for saying, prayer is a weapon, praise is the victory. And so say I- Say it again, that's so good. 
Prayer is a weapon. Praise is the victory. And, and the enemy cannot stand praise. I mean, prayer comes against him. We resist him in Jesus' name, absolutely. But praise is our victory. It's declaring what's true. And so, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, another verse I woke up, I, I can't, don't even remember where it's at in the Psalms, but uh, it's, it's a song we used to sing years ago, but it's shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous of the Lord. And I just hear it. We're going to be singing shouts of joy resounding in the tents of the righteous of the Lord. So taking those kinds of things, themes in the Psalms and just using it as a battering ram into the heavenly realm. So, guys, we also know that um, our awesome president that we love so much has declared a national day of prayer today. And I am so grateful for President Trump. I'm so grateful to have a president who responds to the prophetic. He's actually responding to the prophetic call for a national day of prayer. If you guys look at the Sid Roth video that's going around, so I encourage you, watch it. It will just knock your socks off. Really, really powerful. And so I believe that we have a leader who's responding in humility, knowing God is the solution. God is the only way through this. And so today is that national day of prayer. So uh, we are joining. We're going to close out today by just praying, joining with our nation, asking for this plague to be stopped in its track and for this to be shortened that God would, uh, Joel too, he would relent and show mercy and um, that the nations um, would look and say their God is among them. Amen. So we already talked about the global Esther fast coming up this week and that is it. And so let's just, what you got something else, Bruce, before we go into a time of prayer? I was just going to throw out two things from Numbers 11 again, that I think that there were two warnings that, that were issued in the midst of this. One is don't despair, don't fall into complaining. Uh, don't, don't allow that to happen. And then it's interesting, once God actually manifested the, the meat that they were looking for, their response was to go out and gorge themselves and to hoard it. And wow, again, I on, thought... Bruce. Of, go I, there, Bruce. <laughs> no, go there for just a minute. I'm serious. I, I just thought as I walked through the grocery stores, that is a, that is a knee-jerk human nature reaction is when you, when you feel like you're being deprived and now you see it, I'm going to grab as much as I can get and I'm going to hide it and I'm going to hoard it. Uh, God's issuing a warning saying, I, I, that displays lack of trust in me. That is, that is the antithesis so of, of trusting in me. And so I would encourage us to be generous with what we have. Share with those in need. And, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the widow with the, with the oil, right? Yeah. Where God continues to supply what we yes. need. And, and I think as we're, it's like tithing, you guys. It's like, you know, you give and the Lord continues to give back to you. It's just, it's that principle of you got to take that step of faith. You got you to go out of your comfort zone, do what doesn't come naturally. But I just, I thought those were two interesting warnings that I picked out of that passage that I think apply very directly powerful. to where we're at. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Bruce. That, and that is so powerful, and that's right on. So we're believing for toilet paper rolls that will never yes, end. Just to keep right on coming. <laughs> Sally and I have had twice in our, our, uh, the last 30 years, we've had uh, real miracles where our gas tank, we were on empty, and the gas continued. I cannot tell you twice this has happened 
where, I mean, not just for like a day, but it continued and continued and continued and was supernatural seasons where we literally were so poor we had no money. But we're going to see things like that. I was also in our prayer time earlier this morning uh, just praying, Lord, let the well learn from this is a speed bump. This is not the end of the world. This isn't the great tribulation. You'll know it's the great tribulation when the man of lawlessness stands in the Jewish temple and declares that he is God. That's how we'll know we're in that. This is not that. I believe these are speed bumps so that the church can learn and grow. And so there are things that we're learning, like maybe really the church of Jesus should be the storehouse. Uh, we should have those. I'm thinking practically, what would it look like for the well to have a storehouse, a provision, so that we're going to the elderly and to the poor? We're not figuring out how to get it for ourselves. We're already like Joseph. We prepared, uh, we prepared for times of famine ahead of time. So I'm like, God, let us learn from this. It's just a speed bump. It's a little test uh, for us to grow in being able to govern and steward revival that's coming. And the word is clear. The wheat and the tares grow together. It's both the great and the terrible day of the Lord when these things appear. Um, but let your hearts not be troubled. Amen. I think, too, that this is, this is the call to unity as a body, that there are other fellowships or other churches in our region that actually are doing that, man. They've got the storehouses and we can come alongside them. We can help be distributors or we can help be bringing things to those places. So I I just think this is going to be a powerful opportunity for the church to model unity uh, and not separation. So, yeah. Amen. So let's just close with uh, some, some prayer, just joining, joining with President Trump, joining with our nation and um, asking the Lord. In fact, I'm going to come right down here, and I want to just do a rapid-fire prayer, if maybe, because we do have a handful of our leadership team and some of our uh, volunteers and staff here. If we could have at least five of you come up and just line up on my right and just pray for our nation, um, I would appreciate that. So come ahead up. One, at least one of our worship team, peeps, young adults back there, and some of our staff just come up. And it can be more than five. Just keep it. I encourage you, keep it to about a minute or less. So, Lord, we join with our nation right now. Lord, we humble ourselves and pray. We turn from our wicked ways. We ask you in wrath to remember mercy. We pray that this would be a wake-up call to the church. The speed bump would teach us many things. Lord, we would not go back to life as normal. We would awaken. I just pray, Lord, my prayer for days now is let the real church of Jesus Christ come forth. Let the true church emerge, shining like the sun, victorious in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I just join with my brothers and sisters around this country. And I just want to humble myself and ourselves before you and acknowledge that you alone are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That you have all power and all authority and all dominion 
please forgive us where we think we have power, the power and the authority and the dominion. It belongs to you and you alone. And so we just want to acknowledge that and repent. we have made it about us or things in our lives, Lord. It's about you, Jesus. We love you. We worship you. We ask that in this season, hearts would be turned towards you. Those who know you as Lord and Savior and those who do not, we love you. I just, I, I thank you that you are the God who sleeps in the midst of the storm. The God who is not moved, is not surprised, but is completely in control. And so I thank you that to me, as we look to you, as we look to that story, that we can access that peace and that rest. And Father, I thank you that you are doing something, that you are shaking things that can be shaken in this hour. Father, I believe that we are in the midst of a reformation, that you are taking us deeper into the reality of being the kingdom. So God, I just ask for for leaders across the, the globe for an extra dose of humility and ears to hear, God, would you teach us what it means to be the kingdom in this hour? That you are breaking down systems and structures that we have leaned upon and built up in our own, really our own identity, our own understanding. And so, Father, I thank you that your ways are not our ways, that even as you are shaking things, that you are gentle and kind to the ones that you love and that we can just look to you as our maker and our sustainer in this hour. And so we just receive your peace. Would you teach us how to rest? Would you teach us how to be confident in your leadership? And we just trust you. Thank you, Lord, that your nature is good and your nature is kind. And I just ask you that in the midst of this season, it would be the season of salvation. And I thank you and I just ask in the name of Jesus Christ that people would fall to their knees, that this nation would be a nation on their knees, that eyes would be turned to you, that hearts would be turned to you, and that souls would be saved, God. I thank you that in this season we're going to know your heart so well. And I just ask for wisdom and discernment. Would you increase our wisdom and our discernment, Father, so that we would know where to go and what to say? In Jesus' name. Yes, Jesus, as the Levites... We are going to rise up and take our place. We're going to put off heaviness and put on garments of praise. 
that we will praise you in the car, we will praise you in the grocery stores, we will praise you every opportunity that we have, Jesus, and that you would open our eyes and open our ears and make us aware, Father, when we are out and about to see that one that's afraid, to see that one that's hurting or lonely or broken and that we can grab them and we can pray for them, that we can put on love, we can put on praise, we can put on worship, We can walk in that place of peace. (laughs) Yeah, Prince of Peace. We just clothe ourselves with you. We are the Levites. We are going to worship louder and praise you louder and come up higher from this place and exalt the name of Jesus Christ over all things. picture of the father and the son is such a clear depiction and picture of the relationship that you want for us. I pray for the families over the U.S. that you would call up the fathers to be men, to be the way you are, to father the way you are, God. I pray for the prodigal sons to come home, that this would be a time for restoration of the broken God, the broken families, pull them back together. Teach us to love the orphaned children, God, the kids in CPS, the kids who are in the foster system. Help us take care of them as the church, our duty to take care of these children, to love them, to build them up, to to take care of them, God. We want these families to be restored. We want fathers to come home and to be good fathers, to love well. Thank you that families are restored. Thank you, Lord. Yes. There is a restoration power. When all of the world is broken, God, you come and you save and you heal. Thank you, God. Men and Lord, as we close out today, we just stand between the living and the dead. We wave that censer of incense and we say life, life, life for our nation, life for the nations of the earth. We stand, not even going to blink an eye, we're just going to stand and wave that censer of incense and stand for life. Oh, you will live and not die. We speak to the coronavirus to die right now, to die off in the name of Jesus to die off in the name of Jesus. And we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you for exposing what's underneath the veneer of having it all together, the fear, and bringing us into great faith in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, family, we love you guys. Encourage you to have an amazing week. If you need help, reach out to us. If you need anything practically, Get a hold of one of us. Let us know. Show up at Dwell this week. We will be here, and we love you. Amen. God bless.